Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. My name is Chris Badgett and I have a special guest, Jeff Large. He's a podcaster. His podcast is named after his name. He also does planning, production, promotion, and uh, analytics progress stuff around uh, the pod- podcast that people have or want to have. And then he also teaches people how to get into it. I love podcasting. It's been uh, a great journey for me in terms of building relationships, learning, especially as a course creator, being able to um, create content, audio content, video content. It's a great way to sharpen the skill set of producing content for the web. But uh, so this this episode is going to be podcast focused, whether you want to do it to get leads or add value to your community or just start building community uh, from day one when you, you know, you pick your passion that you want to really focus on. Uh, but Jeff, Jeff's services are called Come Alive Creative and he has the uh, comealivecreative.com, Come Alive Academy, if you just want to learn it and not have the service. Uh, how'd you come up with that name, Jeff? Come Alive. Branding is always a pain in the butt. I actually pulled the quote. There was I was reading the book um, Wild at Heart by John Eldridge, and he quoted, there's a guy, Howard Thurman. He says, uh, I pulled it up. I have it on my other monitor here. Don't ask, you, don't ask what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do it because what the world needs is people who have come alive. And so it just it pulled from there. It flowed with the creative aspect, and I ran with it. Awesome. We're going to park on that for a second because I think that's such a great point. And I see this a lot in the online business space, specifically in course creation and memberships where, and you see, you can see this across life in a lot of areas where people are doing things to quote, make money online or, uh, you know, gain some kind of freedom from a, a lifestyle they don't want to continue or a job they hate or whatever. And sometimes they get into creating or uh, choosing a topic or doing things just to make the money. And then I think there's been social science studies done on this issue where after $70,000 in U.S. dollars of income, happiness doesn't really change once you kind of have your basic needs met at that, that level. So then after that, then maybe somebody's being like, okay, maybe I had my ladder against the, the wrong wall. This doesn't make me come alive. This doesn't make me happy. Um, so how do you flip the script? How do you do it? Where, how do how do you encourage people to start with what makes them come alive and not necessarily just chase internet riches? Okay. That's a heavy question. <laughs> I think it takes a, a certain amount. I mean, Okay, I would want to give like a more thorough answer, but I'm I'm doing this on the spot. So I, initially, I think it takes a certain amount of self-awareness of of what it is that actually makes you tick. I've seen some of those, I forget what they're called, like a kaiji or something, kiji, or I forget what it is. It's like this Japanese philosophy where these four spheres come together. I think it's called ikigai. Ikigai, yeah, okay, there you go. See, you got you got me covered right there. And whatever it is, it's it's this weird blend of figuring out like, what it is you actually enjoy, what it is you're good at, what the world needs, and what people are willing to pay you for. And so it's this culmination of those four things. Now, out of the gate, I never would have figured that out. Like, There's no way I would have known in the beginning. And so it was a matter of what needs can I see, what do I enjoy doing, and what am I good at is sort of what I started with. 
And then from there, through refining it and through time, I mean, it's been, I've been doing this for not podcasting exclusively, but just running my business. Um, since I resigned from teaching, I've been doing this for like five years now. And it's finally getting into a point where I'm actually feel like I'm actually cruising with it. So does that answer? That's a great, that's a great answer. And uh, I've had a similar experience where, you know, it took me many years. I've been working in the online space um, for about uh, eight years. <clears throat> and before that, I worked completely offline, actually, in, a, in the outdoor world away from technology in Alaska. But uh, it took me a long time to figure out this online business thing. But through all that, I did stay in touch with like what I cared about. I've had blogs about uh, issues I care about, like the outdoors, ecology, parenting, sustainability. These are things that I care about. And I've never been willing to give up what makes me come alive just for money. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's uh, in the industry or in the online world, if you look at the marketing that's out there sometimes, it's all about shortcuts and hacks and, uh, you know, getting this amount of money in this many days. Uh, when it, for me, in my experience, it was a, it was a long multi-year process to, to even yes. get stable. Can you relate? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I take the unpopular opinion that I feel like most people should not start businesses, that they should not. I'm even questionable about the whole idea of side hustle. But like the, you should not stop your whatever you're doing for your day job and try to start some magical business. Like the the stuff that gets popular popularized so often in media is just not the norm. Um, we've had many years similar, like you said. I've ran out of money completely, like twice on two different occasions through the history of this, and have always been able to come back. And I've always had a really like strong core belief that this will work. Um, and it's changed. The business has changed over time. We went from generic graphic design and web dev, and then we moved more into, we niched down in e-commerce for a while. And we started to round back out to more like kind of higher level builds plus some digital marketing. And it was around that time that I was personally kind of unhappy with some of it in terms of the skill set. It was outpacing what I could do as a developer. Like I was intentionally hiring smarter people than me. But what also happened was if those smarter people weren't available when something exploded, I, I would t potentially be screwed and just didn't like that, that element of risk for my own clients. And so finally got to a point where partway through last year, I just said, okay, we're, we're going to kill about three-fourths of our business and do only podcasting. And it took, it was a slow, I, I knew I was going to take a hit. It was kind of like starting at ground zero in a lot of ways. Um, but since then, we've built up a pretty solid marketing campaign and some other things that now kicking off this year, uh, we got a decent, decent stream that it's right now projection wise, it's moving in the right direction. So that's really cool. That's really cool. Um, I know what you mean. Like sometimes you have to adjust. I mean, you still need to put food on the table and you need to be creative. Yeah. And sometimes you do have to do things just for money or, um, yeah, it's a, it's a balance for sure. Yeah. Like you, you need to pay the bills, but at the same time, it's hard. Like it's stressful. There's plenty of days where I joke with my wife about like being a pizza delivery person or things like that. Like I'm not actually going to do it, but just sort of to be tongue in cheek about it. Like it's tough work and it definitely takes a, a particular kind of personality to be able to weather all the, the joys and the stresses that come along with it. Yeah. And, and I, in my experience, I found a lot of resistance. Um, even things like, um, you know, when I, 
was in Alaska, outdoor guy, not much technology at all, but I always loved video and uh, like I, I was that guy and my friends used to get annoyed like on climbing trips and we used to do this mountaineering stuff and all this. I'd always be lugging like, the camera and like making little mini documentaries. And it's the fact that we're on video here today, this is just an extension of my obsession with video. And even when I first found, you know, building websites and WordPress where it became easy for non-technical people like myself, people told me like, Chris, you shouldn't get into software and all this internet stuff. But in my mind, this is why I love the name that you have there, Come Alive Creative. It kind of made me come alive just as a guy who was creative <laughs> and like making content videos. And the fact that I could publish something and then anywhere in the world, somebody could look at it. Mm-hmm. I always loved that. And then you could connect with them. It, it literally made me come alive. And I just followed that thread to becoming a, a Lifter LMS software CEO guy. Yeah. But it, I do it because I love it and I love the people I work with. And I I want to ask you, like, what is it about podcasting that makes you so passionate about the topic? Yeah. Okay. Um, Actually, I can, I'm going to back up a little and then round back to that question. It'll come together. There's a couple of things too, that I would absolutely agree with so much of it. And maybe even back to your first question, so much of it depends on doing the right thing at the moment. Now I'm not, I, I think looking ahead is important and learning from what you can in the past is also good, but there's a certain element that it's just hard even for me to be patient enough to look at exactly what's in front of me. But so much, if you just make the right decisions now, it will start to play out and unfold in the direction that it needs to go instead of trying to guess and always, what's the next best opportunity? And no, no, no. If you just look at what you have right now and go, okay, what is the thing? What is my most important task I need to be working with? Get that thing done. And it continues to unfold. So that's one big piece. In terms of the love for podcasting, I wouldn't even say it's a love for podcasting. It's just happened to take that form because like you, there's certain core aspects of who I am that I really appreciate things. I love learning and teaching are huge. I think on the Strength Finder 2.0 test, my number one thing is learning. And so through hosting podcasts and talking to diverse individuals, whether it's my own industry or other ones, we've hosted a lot of different podcasts, some with like eclectic tastes and some with just like practical technical business knowledge. And I really, really love learning and then being able to convey those things that I'm learning and put into practice those things that I'm learning. I think the the second piece, um, it just kind of falls into it's the audio aspects. I think it really comes down to probably solving problems. Like it's just podcasting for me from a digital marketing standpoint makes more sense than other mediums. Most of the time, not in all cases, but most of the time, if I'm going to go after that biggest domino or like I was saying, like if I'm going to go after the thing that's going to give me the most impact, I would argue that podcasting a lot of the time is the best solution. And so it's this merger of both. I'm, I'm really passionate about the learning and the teaching. I understand it. I'm, I have a background as a musician, so I understand audio really well. Oh, and then the last piece is the the storytelling aspects of it. That's the one that I almost forgot where my actual formal education is all in literature. And so I have just a ton of experience teaching story and good writing and these types of things. And there's so many of those elements that can play out in a podcast, in a host hosting situation and whatever it is. And so it's that kind of stuff that's important to me. Well, let's, let's talk about some of the benefits of podcasting specifically for the course creator, the membership site owner. I'm going to share some and then hand it over to you. Um, 
One of, the, one of the great things about podcasting is actually that you can get free consulting. Like I'm about to get <laughs> a bunch of free consulting from Jeff because I'm thinking of starting a new podcast for free on this call. Uh, but that's just a, that's more of a funny side benefit. It, it's okay. <laughs> I just had you on mine and I got a bunch of free consulting on how to build a proper membership site and like courses and stuff. Which is cool. And then there, it also, the other thing is you develop relationships with people. So if, um, you know, and there, we all like overlap in some way, you know, like we're both in the online space and, you know, I have course creators and you have, uh, you know, you're on the podcast side and it's just great to build relationships with people. And it's really easy to do for like, just takes an hour of time. I pretty much got it completely automated where I give, if I know somebody who wants to come on the show and I want to come on the show, I send them a, a, a canned email with a link. Mm-hmm. They schedule it. They show up. Zoom's ready to record it. I do a little bit of light editing uh, and, and, you know, we have a process behind it. But um, so the relationships is a benefit. But also for the course creator, uh, one of the fundamental building blocks is expertise. And we're, we are all, everybody here on this uh, call or this this podcast listening or watching is an above average driver. And what I mean by that is <clears throat> we all know and are passionate about something, but we can always sharpen our saw. If you get really committed to a topic, you can never, I, I would argue, you can never even get like halfway to the ultimate destination if you really go deep. Mm-hmm. So if you are going to go deep on something, podcasting is a great way for me, I'm super passionate about uh, online course creation and membership sites. Podcasting is a piece of that for like lead generation and becoming an expert. But I get to talk to all these people that solve problems or look at opportunities that benefit course creators. So my, my expertise on solving problems for course creators and membership site people gets sharper and sharper and sharper every time I talk to experts who know more things about different topics than me. So that, that's another benefit. What do you got, Jeff? Benefits of podcasting specifically? Yeah. Okay. I, I just pulled up in my other monitor here <laughs> a couple of my like lead gen stuff. So it depends on what you want. I think specifically for the course creator, you need authority and trust is like really at its core. And people trust you. It's through integrity and over time. Um, is just, just think about a relationship. Think about any of your friendships that you have. For your listeners who have been listening for, to you for a long while now, they know who you are and they either like you or they don't. Like, it's really hard to fake it. Like, it's, like you talked about in the beginning, you get to these landing pages sometimes where it's like, let me show you how to make this much money in this hack of a time. And like, I don't know anything about that person. He could be a total jerk and I, or a, a wonderful human being. And I do not know from the landing page, but from an ongoing podcast where somebody makes an active decision to put you in their ears for however hour every week, they're going to develop that relationship. And eventually, if you know what you're talking about, if you're associated with the right people, hopefully trust to a point that they'd want to work with you in some capacity. So, I mean, I think that at its core might be one of the leading things. Um, Just to rattle off a handful, some of these you kind of said as well. One would be to that brand recognition or authority in an industry. Another one would be if you want to reach new prospects, grow an audience. Uh, Another could be increased sales, opt-ins, some sort of engagement. You might want to learn more about a topic or a specific target audience. Um, You could also need to increase your social proof, 
customer loyalty, reduced churn. Uh, reduced churn could actually probably be another big thing for membership sites, that type of deal. Um, another one would be if you want people to actually care about what you're marketing, not just like see it and react, but be part of it, be part of the journey. Um, and then the last is so many people actually have really great stories to tell and to teach. And it's a medium that I think has some definite unfair advantages against other written form and even video form. Um, and so those, those are several that I argue a lot of the time. That's awesome. And I'm going to throw a few more out there. One of them is, I think I heard this phrase from Clay Collins. He's the guy behind uh, lead pages. Mm -hmm. um, he said podcasts were great because they're in a category called portable content. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really just podcasts and audiobooks that people can like take into the woods like me when I go running in the morning. Um, I have this portable content. I can't take like, I can't take my website browsing experience or YouTube out there while I go running or while I'm driving or uh, doing the dishes. I love doing dishes because I'm like, no, I'll do the dishes because I'm going to listen to a podcast. It's portable. And um, <clears throat> so portable content is very powerful. There's a lot of things competing for attention um, for uh, other parts of the day, but they're, they're, we actually have a large percentage of our day. If you're talking about content where only portable content can get in there. Yeah. So that's a, uh, it's just a really neat concept. Oh, to piggyback on that, this book in particular, have you read zero to one? I've watched some of the talks and of Peter Thiel and stuff, but I haven't okay. uh, read that one yet. There's one article that I wrote about a concept kind of took a concept that he had and applied it back to marketing where very similar to what you're saying, there's this idea that he has called scale of competition. And it's most of the time, like we used to have a client when I was doing web dev still, who was a, like a specialty European bakery. And she was very convinced that her only real competition was other specialty bakery shops, like people that focused on allergies or maybe had a special type of bakery or whatever it was. But what he would argue in his book is that her competition was every single business that was selling food at breakfast time. And I would lean more towards that's the reality of it. And if you take that principle and apply it back to marketing as a whole, when you write something, it's not just like if you're writing blog articles on how to run a good course, you're not just competing against other blog articles that write a good course. You're competing with anything that demands visual attention. So it could be other blogs. It could be social media. It might be YouTube. It could be a Netflix series. It could be a physical book. It could be spending time with your family. Like you have to make an active decision that I'm going to sit down and read this blog. Whereas like you said, audio can go across the board where it's the one medium you can do that is portable. You can do it while you're driving or the dishes or working out or whatever. And when you break it into that kind of category, the only real competition you have are other podcasts, audiobooks, and then music. And maybe occasionally the person like I know I have several creative friends who just throw movies on for background noise. But it's like those three primary things, all of a sudden your pool is a lot smaller of what you have to go up against. And I think the, the realities of success are much higher. Yeah. Yeah. That's super, super good. And one of the things I just want to add to portable content, which I've been obsessing on lately with podcasts specifically, is <clears throat> taking that idea and then taking that into the online learning or the membership space. Um, how a lot of things like Lift Your LMS and a lot of online learning tools 
they're web-based. And as long as you have a cell signal on your phone, you know, you can still continue the learning experience. But why not design in some kind of podcast to go along with it? Mm-hmm. And even better if that podcast can double as lead generation if they haven't joined your community or bought your course yet, but value add to people who are already inside. And now, you know, you're using, you know, the apps so that people can download podcasts and then go take, keep learning on the go. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, it, it's just a really fascinating way to look at it because everybody is time strapped or says they're quote crazy busy, you know, especially if they're, you know, married with kids and, you know, everything seems to accelerate in terms of busyness. So it's, it's just a unique opportunity. Yeah. I think it's great. hundred percent agree. Um, the other thing I want to add too, just in terms of um, marketing, when you have a podcast and you interview people, it's, it's easier to like end up, I find, with other people's audiences. Because uh, even if someone's come on my show or not, they, they know that, especially if they listen to the podcast or at least check out a, one of them or saw one of the video versions somewhere, that they're like, oh, you know what? I think that guy could, could probably add value to my audience. And I'm, you know, pe- people are always looking for that. Like if you prove yourself as a content creator, um, and come off good. I mean, people recognize it immediately. Like if I'm mm-hmm. listening to a podcast, someone who doesn't know me and I'm like, Oh, that would be a great guest for my show. I'd love to introduce them to the 25,000 people on my email list. Like mm-hmm. it's, I would gladly do it because yeah. I know they're going to, even at what we can talk about in an hour, super valuable. So, yeah. um, any other benefits before we move on? I mean, there's always plenty. Uh, there's always plenty. I think what you're saying right now is really good, both from whether you're producing it yourself or you are guesting. Some people, it just does make more sense to get on a guesting schedule if you don't have the bandwidth. It's a really nice place to start to even get your feet wet to see if it's something that you'd enjoy. Um, I know there's more. Like there's, there's tons, but it really just depends on the goal at the end of the day. Like A lot of the time, you can go into these things and have a guess of what you need um, but I would really, I would go at it reverse. I would look at what is it that your business needs right now, or what do you as a entrepreneur need right now? And does a podcast or can a podcast fulfill some of those needs or help you accomplish some of those needs would probably be the most relevant way to go about it. That's awesome. Well, let's, let's look at some of the hurdles and the roadblocks. Um, as a course creator membership site person, um, I feel for our community and I'm, and I'm in the fight too, because you have to be an expert. You have to be an instructional designer. <laughs> you don't have to. No, no, yeah, you right, should be, right. but you don't have to. <laughs> That's true. Uh, instructional designer, community builder, technologist, and entrepreneur. These are all very different skill sets. And it's, you know, it's very difficult for some, a single person to master at least a basic competency across all these five things, which need to be firing in order for the project to work. Um, podcasting is, you know, it has a lot of moving parts or it can, like what causes people to fail with podcasting? People don't know what they're getting into, like anything. It's like, I mean, it's not just exclusive to podcasting. It's like, think of the thing, the task that you want to do, whether it's, you're going to start working out. Maybe it's the beginning of the year. We're kind of hitting that threshold. Was it March where a bunch of people probably have already dropped off um, that have workout routines or you want to 
figure out like I've been trying to figure out how to slack line for like a year now and I still don't have it down. I just haven't put the dedication to it. And so it's it's not unique to podcasting per se. I think it's just the nature of I think it's the nature of what a commoditized culture has done. It's created this lie that things that aren't easy are easy. And I look at my friends who are lawyers. Like I got a couple really good friends of mine, like our daughter's one of our daughter's godfather is a lawyer. I go to him for everything. Stuff like legal zoom and that type of deal is made it, oh, this is painless. It's not painless. It's like important legal stuff that you need set up properly for your business. And I've heard him talk, get his frustrations where even, I think even I was doing some just very generic research and he's like, oh, are you an expert lawyer now? And I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, like that kind of thing. And so with podcasting, it seems real easy. You can go to these, just record some audio and then you can go and get it edited by somebody or you can edit it yourself and then you push it to the web and everyone will love you. Well, no, <laughs> that's not the case. There are things that exist. So for example, there's Anchor FM is this app and you can record your podcast from your phone. I think it lets you automatically integrate music from iTunes, like select stuff from iTunes. I have several friends that use it. It's a very, very super dead simple entry level way to get into it. But there's trade-offs because it's free. Like you're subject to having explicit amounts of advertising from Anchor itself on the cast. Um, you're limited in what you can do. The sound quality is trash because you're recording like on the go on your phone. And so if you just need to get your thoughts out there, hey, maybe that's a good solution. But if you're looking to actually produce something of substance, of quality, like these things that most of us strive to for a serial grade podcast or a hardcore history or any of these, like the ones that we kind of put up there on the pedestals, it takes a lot of planning. It takes a lot of work. You need to understand everything from how do I research content that people want to know about? How do I, how am I a good host? How do I tell a good story or write a good narrative? How do I, what equipment do I need? How do I use said equipment once I buy it? After that, how am I recording? How do I balance a microphone level? How do I get my music proper? How do I craft a story? Like, listen to NPR. They have teams of people that are just deciding where to place the, um, like, yeah. I'm not kidding. There's other books. Like, there's one that's called Out on a Wire that I've been reading. And they talk about how they, like, spent hours just figuring out to get this, the talking right. You don't, like we're doing right now, we're just cutting an interview. You said you do a little bit of light editing, push it. If this is going to be, like, a full production type thing, you might take an entire chunk of something that we said and rearrange it somewhere else. And it's, like, putting it together like a storyboard. And then even beyond that, okay, how are you going to market it? How are you going to get it to the people? One of the questions that I've been kind of pondering a lot lately is so many people will just record something, launch it, and then go, how do I get people there? Well, you missed a crucial step in the beginning by not planning. And then just understanding each social media, each social media has its own personality. You have to do specific things in order to grow a list and actually engage with it. How do you know if people are even going to your, your blog posts that you're writing? All those things. And then finally, at the end, how do you measure it? How are you actually seeing if you are doing what you need to do, if you're hitting your goals, if people are listening? And so it's just very, very easy on the surface level to go, oh, I'm going to start a podcast. When in reality, like anything else, there is a ton, a ton of stuff below the surface that you really have to dig into if you want to be good, if you want to be an expert at it. 
Yeah. And it reminds me of blogging. Like anybody can start a blog. I've always been interested in, in how podcast has a higher barrier, barrier to entry than blogging. It's just easier to start a blog than it is to start a podcast in my experience. But once you get through the hurdles of it all, for me personally, I find it easier to do a, you know, an hour long podcast than a thousand word blog post article. But yeah, I mean, it depends. It depends on what the topic is, I think. Yeah. And it depends on who you are, if you're a writer or not, clearly, like all those different mediums, because somebody might think the same thing about video. It's just sort of a lot of it. It's dependent, but it makes sense. Yeah, you, you pick your, find what you're good at. For some people, it is talking and conversation. Mm-hmm. And for, for me, I think I had to like develop that more um, for the podcasting medium. Like I don't, you hear, you hear a lot of podcasters say this. Um, I don't go back and listen to my early episodes. I don't go back and listen to my early episodes because I'm like, what was I doing? Oh, I could have changed this, this, this yeah. sounds horrible, whatever. But that's part of the journey. Well, you do that with everything. I did, we did yeah. this with code. Like as a developer, you look at what you built, like you read your code from a year ago and you're like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? And so it's like, if you're actually growing and striving that's a natural thing. I get so nervous even right now, I'm forcing myself to be uncomfortable and put a lot more thoughts and opinions and reflections out there. I started playing around with Periscope and I've been doing little video kind of, hey, this is what I've considered today or the lesson that I took today, put it out on Twitter. I know for a fact, I'm going to look back like a year from now, two years from now and go, what the frick was I thinking? Like that was so stupid. But you just, you got to roll with it because you're always growing. Hopefully you're always growing. To your earlier point about how podcasting is so powerful as a tool, I think you there is a level just like video where you have to get comfortable living out in the open. Mm-hmm. Like this whole issue of privacy is it's a big issue on the internet or whatever, but if you're going to be a podcaster or a video blogger or a blogger and you're talking about personal things, um I think for some people it's it's harder to get over that living in public cuz the best mm-hmm. podcasts in my experience that I listen to it's people who did do the come alive route. They're being authentic. They're being themselves. They're being it raw. They're telling it like it is. And they're, um, they're just being them. They're mm-hmm. not, they're not, they're on a stage, but they're not acting. That's a and, good way to put it. I was going to say, ahead. I was going to add to one question and then a, a follow up. How do you handle this? Now, on one hand, keep in mind, I still believe that basically no one knows who I am. Like, it's it's a very, very small audience that would ever recognize my name. So it's not like I'm some sort of celebrity by any means. However, how do you handle that aspect of public life and your family? Because I've debated, I'm starting to do a little more with video, and I'm not 100% sure if I'm ever going to, like, feature my kids or my wife or that type of thing, or if it'll always just be me. Um. <clears throat> Well, I've, I've had a blog that included some family stuff in it. And I also have a private blog that only my family sees mm-hmm. uh, and, and super close friends. Um, but for me, <clears throat> uh, the line gets a little fuzzy between work and life because I love what I do so much and I'm so passionate about it. And my family and how we approach learning as a family, it's all part of the story. Mm-hmm. But I do... Uh, especially with young kids respect um, we're not anti-technology or anything like that or anti-screens, but we do like limit the amount of exposure and everything mm-hmm. yep. uh, to, to, so that it's healthy, a healthy balance with all the other things that we do as humans. Um, 
But I, I would say that I do. I've made that choice for me that I'm okay with it. But I think it's an it's a choice that I leave up to each individual in the family. And I think the kids that while I do, they do show up from time to time in some things. I'm really saving that choice for them to make when they feel comfortable with like, and when it's appropriate, like as a parent, like to allow them to um, choose their publicity level. Cause I have friends that aren't even on Facebook and they Mm -hmm. refuse. Like they're completely, you cannot find them on the internet. Yeah. Uh, but that's their choice. So I think a lot of it is a personal choice. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm, I'm just curious because it's something I'm toying with at the moment because both like my whole family is amazing. And like you said, there's a high level of integration with me working from home. My kids are, my son's like kind of dual enrolled. He goes to school two days a week, but he's homeschooled part of the time. My daughter is, she's just getting homeschooled by my wife and I, my wife also works from home. And so it's like, we have high contact. And even today, like I got, sitting here because I got to do a video on it. But I got this awesome box from Zoom with a bunch of new equipment in it. And my daughter's like, oh, exciting. And she wants to help open it with me. And so it's like stuff like that. So I'm kind of playing with that idea. Um, One other thing to your point, I'm curious on if you had any thoughts with, you said you you sort of respected the come alive way and the, the authenticity of it. There's a weird balance with, I want to be transparent and I want to be authentic. And I think that's more for the benefit of other people that are considering going down this type of road and just being real about the fact that it's difficult and it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of effort and it can be very stressful. But on the other hand, I think as business owners and especially service providers that we need to have a high level of confidence and expectation. And I'm wondering if those two things, if like the authenticity ever degrades the confidence level. Does that make sense? I don't think so. It does make sense. I don't think so. And one of the reasons, one of the main reasons I do podcasting besides my own selfish desire to get free consulting and be cool people and stuff like that is it has become accidentally almost the number one source of lead generation for our software, literally LMS. And I'm not a famous person. But I have gone to like WordPress events where people knew who I was. I have no idea who they are. They, they follow the podcast. They recognize me in public. Or, um, <clears throat> but it's not like I go to the airport and that happens. Mm-hmm. Something like that. <laughs> but because the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, I, I have heard our customers say, um, you mentioned at the very beginning, podcasts help build trust. But it's a classic sales say- statement that uh, people, buy things from people that they know, like, and trust. Mm-hmm. So in addition to trusting, there's liking and knowing. Knowing is being in the earbuds, uh, you know, for years before maybe even they contact you or buy your product or join your email list or something. Um, liking, I think, comes from authenticity. Because if you're being yourself, you're either going to repel or attract people. And maybe there'll be some people that are kind of ambivalent to your personality. But I, I've gotten the, the, the statement that people like, they, they bought our stuff because they, they trusted me. They liked the thing. They actually appreciated how our podcast wasn't, uh, it was just real, like went straight to the conversation and, you know, we just talk and it's, they, they just like it. It feels authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sometimes we go on side tangents and talk about different things, but people, like family. yeah, from my experience, people like that. Because they want to do business with people that they know, like, and trust. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I just, the more, the longer I'm business, I'm in business, the more I realize how true that really simple statement is. No, that's good to know. You got more years than me. So I'm just going to, I'm going to stick the course then <laughs> Stay yeah. with it. Keep putting myself out there and whatever. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Right. And I, I, I will say it's like, uh, it takes some time. Like some, I, I think as a podcaster or a blogger or any kind of business owner, course creator, um, there's definitely an inflection point where it seems like you're talking into the void. You know, people often say it's just like your mom listened to the show or, or <laughs> who took your course or, you know, on your email list and things are small until they're not, but you yeah. have to start. Um, that's the key. Yeah. And it's, it's a journey and it's not like the overnight success thing or whatever. I, I think that's huge. I don't agree with most of what Gary Vaynerchuk stands for, but there's a few comments that he's made just in terms of like appreciating every, every interaction, every interview. And even if it only has 10 views or something, like you don't know who those 10 views are. And just giving everybody the chance where I think sometimes I feel tempted even as I have, uh, say, a submission come through on the website or whatever, where maybe the person didn't leave me much information. And so it, it makes me feel like, okay, this person doesn't know what they're talking about or something. but just getting over that, not being arrogant about it or anything and, and genuinely giving them a call and seeing if we can help. And I've just been blown away so many times by what would perceive to be a small, small endeavor, small phone call, small interview, small guest opportunity, whatever it is, but you just don't know. And it's like all of those things, you don't know who you're helping and how much you're helping them. You don't know what that can play out and what connection that can make. And just even how you and I met each other was originally, I had a friend recommend me to Joe Casabona. And then he, him and I have started talking. We've started meeting on kind of like a, a semi couple every week. We touch base with each other. He recommended you and it's playing into this now. And like you were on my show. Now I'm on yours. You just, you don't know. And so when you're opening open to these networking opportunities and just ways to give back, I, I think the fruits are clearly there. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the relationship piece, and that's how it grows. And sure. uh, yeah, I'm just thinking back about how I got to know Joe, and I can think about like four people that I connected to before I, I met Joe. Yeah, on the internet, and then later I've, I've met him in, in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the How I Built It podcast, which is a great show. Yeah, yeah, very much. Um, come alive, creative your business for people who want to get into podcasting. We we're talking about the five hats of course creators. Um, the technology piece, the entrepreneur piece, uh, even the instructional design piece, like the creating digital content, uh, podcasting can help across a lot of that. What, what does your service offer? We try to create a turnkey solution for people that want to start a podcast. And so it's like, we don't necessarily have to do everything, but we literally can do everything. Um, most of the time when people hear podcast production, they're going to think of probably one of two things. One would be what we said, like the, like what would our, our academy is where basically it's a source of somebody either giving you some consultation. Um, this could be in person. It could be in a group, um, just one-on-one or it's courses that they've created tutorials on how to do this. Sometimes it's free. Sometimes it's paid for the next tier up would be say what? probably the largest pool is in terms of what I would consider even remotely our competition. Um, If you have your audio and you need your, say you record your interviews and you just don't have the expertise to know how to edit it well, 
you don't have the time and you want to get it edited and maybe some show notes made and even the post done for you. There's a lot of companies and individuals that will focus in that area where they just edit podcasts. And that even there's a fair amount of commodity to that where prices start relatively low and then they can go up to several hundred dollars a month. With us, we kind of take it to that next level where podcasting sort of the tip of the spear, but it really has a lot more to do with content strategy and consultation in that sense of like the clients that say would come to us need to do specific things. I'm thinking of the people that I have now, like one wants to create more opportunities for himself to be able to speak in a collegiate type setting. Another one wants to build more authority and connections in his own personal community. Another one is looking to two of them actually are looking more for like authority type stuff in terms of building uh, just some clout in their own industry and leading the way in their own industry. And they see podcasting being able to do that. And so we can literally go, we have a four part process. I sort of alluded to it earlier that we basically can handle all of your planning. So we know who your targeting audience is, what your goals are, all of the legwork up front. Um, next would be the actual production. So it's recording and editing those down. Um, we can host it. We have either myself or people on my team that would act as host for you, like on your behalf. Um, or you can do it yourself and we just coach you on how to get better and produce the episodes. And then the final two phases are promotion, like we talked about, of where to go with it. Um, and then the last one is measuring that progress to make sure that we are actually tangibly getting to the goals. And that way we can verify that this is a worthy investment for you. And you have, so I, I like to, I love this stack, by the way. So in the expert industry, uh, people, um, it's all about the stack. So you have a done for you slash done with you service, mm-hmm. or you have the do it yourself option through the come alive Academy. What do people mm-hmm. learn in the Academy? You can learn everything. Now, this is the part where I can be transparent about. I'm not like the videos and the content there is good, but I've organized it in a wrong way. Um, basically, it's it's everything from start to finish. And so it's all of those pieces that I've said. It's organized a little bit different, um, but it's basically you're going to learn from the academy the very basics of planning. You're going to learn a variety of equipment and how it's used. You're going to learn how to edit. And then you're going to learn on the the pieces of the puzzle of like how to create, uh, how to get it synced into your website, which hosts to use, like media hosts specifically, not website hosts per se, um, how to create, generate an RSS feed, how to submit that RSS feed to things like iTunes and Stitcher and all your Google Play, a lot of those major aggregates. Um, and so that's sort of the core. But beyond that, I'm constantly making new classes and I'm going to be reorganizing it in a way that's a little more fit and in-depth. And so I would say right now it's a lot of it's a big scope with not a ton of depth. Like my editing course goes in kind of deep. I talk about Audacity and a lot of the capabilities of Audacity. And then otherwise, it's, it's a pretty solid general overview. Like if you have no idea, it would be a really great place for you to go. But my courses that are being created now and that are getting expanded on, those will be for kind of more of that mid-level or high-level person or higher-level person that wants to dig in deeper um, I created one on basically our entire workflow on Basecamp of how we, we have a really set solid process, like you said, that it's systematized. Um, I'm going to be doing breakout courses on like specific pieces of equipment and how to really understand that, not just like, hey, <laughs> here's a digital recorder, hit play. Like 
everything that it does and all the capabilities. And so if, if you have a specific need, then you'll know exactly like, oh, I got to take this course. And so it's not there yet, but that's the direction that we're moving. So if you're a do-it-yourselfer, check out comealiveacademy.com. I do want to go plug. back. I do want to go back to the uh, to the other part of your stack, the services. Uh, some people have, you know, more money than time. And, and what really jumped out at me was what you said about. I didn't even realize it was there was a service out there where you could have a podcast and not even host it yourself to achieve some kind of business goal. I think that's really interesting for some people. Mm -hmm. But even just the next level down where all I need to worry about is showing up to host Mm -hmm. or whatever, that's fascinating to somebody who's, you know, like we said, you can't wear all the hats or it's very Mm -hmm. difficult to wear all the hats. So if you're going to build a team around your project and, and, you know, find services out there on the internet, like come alive creative to fulfill, make podcasting at a professional level approachable and, you know, with the right things in place without all the do it yourself learning curve. That's a pretty sweet opportunity. Uh, I would think so. <laughs> I've, I've, <laughs> I've hung my, I've kind of planted my flag in that realm. And it's, it's one of those things, like you said, you, you get a level of expertise, like you continue to sharpen your blade. Now that the only thing that I'm doing is podcasting, I have a million questions just personally for myself and needs that I have for my clients. And so for a long time, I have my current setup the way that it is, but I'm recommending different pieces of equipment that has forced me to really, really get to know everything that's available and build relationships directly with these companies or even simple stuff like what is the best video platform for connecting with remote guests? I've used at least like 10 different ones and I can tell you the nuances of each one. And it's like all of that stuff, I think even from a, practically speaking, not even a sales point, but just say the, the amount of time that you save by having a team like ours come in, or even one of our, our, like I said, a competitor, somebody that is really niche, like legitimately niche in an area. That's why it's such a big advantage. If you need a podcast, you can learn all of it. Absolutely. Be my guest, but understand we've been doing it for at least I think I've been podcasting. I've been podcasting for maybe six years specifically. I, and I have about 15 years worth of audio experience behind my belt. So it's like, okay, you can do that, but it's going to take time. And it's that kind of thing that you have to weigh out if, if you want to be the technical expert or if you just want to be the host, like you said. So here comes the free consulting part, which the, the <laughs> listener can benefit from as well. Uh, what is the best video conferencing, podcasting, or what are some of the nuances between them? Like we're on, we're on Zoom right now. It's a trick question. (laughs) The the, the real answer is I haven't found one yet and it sucks. I, I am a big proponent for hardware over software. So a lot of the time, if you want a simple solution, like I'm just going to spitball real quick. Simple solutions are your, what it, tell me yours. Cause I can see that you're using the, uh, the audio technica mic. Are you USB plugged in? I'm USB plugged in and using the Zoom recording to the cloud, not locally. Okay. Okay. All right. So that is a very dangerous setup for me. Um, <laughs> that makes me incredibly nervous where I'm yeah. sitting in front of a, a an actual like hardware Sure SM58. I got I'm it. jealous of your sound, by the way. I can tell <laughs> from the very beginning, I'm like, oh my gosh, this, this sound's going to be so much better than my sound. Sometimes you, I interview somebody and they have earbuds in, so I win, but you're definitely yeah. Please continue. Do you, will it make your audience <laughs> sick if I flip my camera real quick? No, go ahead. Okay. All right. Here we go. 
I'm going to take this uh, over here. We'll, we'll walk you through. So I got the Shure SM58. That's running down into my Mackie 1202 mixer board. Um, everything when I'm recording has been recorded on a Roland RO5. However, this has limitations and I can shoot real quick. It only has the uh, 3.5 millimeter line in, which is fine for studio, but sucks if you ever want to actually have uh, an XLR input, which is like the, the fatter cable with the, the three prongs or whatever. You're coming in this line right here via a mix minus. And so it's basically without going into super detail, you're getting all of the sound except for yourself, hence your levels potted down all the way. And that's getting pushed back out on this aux. This would be the channel if I was doing my own recording. Um, I got my studio monitors. These are okay. Um, they're not like the best level by any means. They're Mackie. They're, they're good. Don't get me wrong. But the more important thing are headphones. But then where some of the magic happens is the stack I have underneath where I recently picked up the uh, DBX. Uh, basically, this creates a, a preamp. Um, dynamic microphones like what I have naturally are a little quieter. And so this will boost the sound out of the gate. The one below that is a gate limiter that I've used for a long time. And so essentially that's cutting out any background noise in pre-production before you ever hit post-production. Um, so it just eliminates any of the noise that you would get in the background, like fans or dogs barking or things like that, if it's not of a certain decibel level. And then from there, it's just like a power strip. And then that amp is for like, if I'm running live sound with my, my actual uh, speakers, if I'm doing an event or something. And then, uh, even finally, I'm starting to play more with, I've got connected with this company, uh, cloud microphones. They make like a $2,000 ribbon, ribbon microphone. But this acts very similar to the preamp that I showed, and it's a lot more portable, so it'll give you a boost in gain. Plus, it has the same circuitry as their ribbon microphones for only $150 uh, a box in order to just pop up your sound and make it sound a lot more clear. So long story short, huge advocate for hardware. And the, one of the big reasons why was just reaffirmed for me. I've recorded hundreds of episodes on my digital recorder. Never lost one, ever. I recorded tested out Zencaster uh, just last week or two weeks ago. And of my first three tries, I lost an interview completely. Zencaster records the source audio from each side. So you're getting that individual channel you can work with and it makes it way easier for editing. Uh, but the fact that it died and if fortunately I was, I was backing it up with this because I didn't trust it and it came through, my, my recorder came through for me. But I mean, you got Zencaster in theory is awesome, but I, I don't trust it as a standalone because if say I lost, I just, I recently like episodes I've been really proud of lately. We had um, Joanna Weeb from Copy Hackers on. If I would have lost that interview, I would have cried in a corner <laughs> like for sure. And so Zencaster in theory is not bad. I've used Skype. <laughs> Skype is not dependable, but it has a very signature sound where when it does screw up, it will just draw out the person's voice. And so I've yeah. used Skype enough that I know how to edit it and make it really clean. Um, we're using Zoom. I really, I really want to believe in Zoom. Like Zoom is probably the thing that I want to be my favorite, but it's, it's probably running at about 90-ish percent. I still will occasionally get the weird like, <laughs> like garbles. Um, yep. I've used Appear.in. Appear.in is really awesome for meetings, um, but I wouldn't, feel like it's foolproof for recording on. If you're just connecting with somebody and you need something like dead simple, you literally just give them a URL and they go there and it works as long as they're using like Chrome or something. 
Um, and so that's really cool for meetings, but not for interviews. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones. There's other ones that I've used too, but if I had to, if I had to pick one, I want to believe in Zencaster more. And so I might give them the benefit of the doubt and try them some more. And then I still like Zoom a lot. And so those are usually, Zoom is probably my go-to right now for recording episodes. And then I'm hoping that Zencaster continues to improve because in theory, it's, it's really solid or it should be really solid at least. That's awesome. Well, thank you for the tour. I definitely <laughs> like within the next year, I want to take this step up into better hardware. Yeah. So thanks for showing me what you got going. Uh, you know, yeah. And stuff. I mean, even like I said, this, the big box that I just showed you is like new stuff that I'm going to be adding into the rig. And um, there's always, always stuff. There's like easy ways. There's easy and like, you don't need everything I have in order to do it. But with me doing it full time, it doesn't make sense not to have a decent setup. Yeah. And to that point for the course creator out there, you're not just making podcasts, you're also making course content and lesson videos. So this stuff is important. Like mm -hmm. quality is important. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, even like, I won't bust it out right now, but I've, I've picked up an okay camera. It's not like the highest end can camera. I got a Canon uh, T6i for the videos that I'm doing, but you can easily, I'm a big, big fan of just recycling period. So whether it's content or stuff, a lot of these recorders, you can have them as additions to your cameras if you have like a DSLR camera or something, if you buy the right one. And so you're getting it as a dual purpose. You can use it for podcasting and then you can also use it for really killer audio on your videos. And so there's easy ways to save money if you do a little bit of research up front. That's awesome. Well, what are some top tips you have around podcast promotion? Um, the first one, and this is... You, you mentioned, by the way, that different social channels like behave differently. And I haven't really thought about that. I mean, I repurpose content or recycle content, but mm -hmm. like, I don't know, you mentioned that earlier. So I wanted to get into that a little bit too. Okay. Um, the, the first thing, and this is top of mind for me, I mentioned it already is that you have to plan. If you really want something to land well, you have to plan. Um, I'm a huge advocate or I'm a huge fan of Andy Crestadina from Orbit Media. He's, a run, he's the chief marketing officer and like co-founder of their agency out of Chicago. And he's like one of probably two or three people that I, I read all of his stuff because I just think it's that good. I'm really hard to please. It's difficult for me to take the time to read just blogs and things, but his is one of them. And I interviewed him a few episodes back, but we share a similar belief that you need to know. Like there's just simple things you can do by looking at, like def defining who is your target audience, knowing who they are, knowing where they are, and knowing what topics interest them. There's simple things that you can add into your workflow, like say browse Quora or browse Clarity or these different sites where people are asking questions. Look at another huge tip that I learned from Joanna, uh, the Copy Hackers episode that I, I mentioned, is if you have a specific topic you're getting into, dig into Amazon reviews. Like you said, you've done stuff with gardening. Look at gardening books that are relevant to your thing that you're trying to do. Dig into the reviews. See what their pain points are. Look at the actual verbiage that they're using and then pull that out and apply it to your own homepage. People will identify with these things. And so it's just too often we're like, I got a great idea. I'm going to write a blog post and post it or I'm going to record an episode and post it. And then after the fact, we go, how do we promote it? 
Well, you missed a critical step that could have saved you so much time up front. So planning for me is huge like because you can determine right out of the gate whether it's even worth doing or not if you with proper planning. So that's probably the first and easiest missed one. And then from there, again, a lot of it hinges on who your audience is and where they are. But I mean, you can do anything from, if we look at it from a recycling standpoint, you have even, I, I could probably guess your, your workflow. Like you have us on video. So you're getting this video thing that you're able to push out to different, whether you're using Vimeo or YouTube or Wistia or whatever it is. So you got the video element. Stripping the audio out. Audio goes out on the podcast. So there's this audio media file. From there, you're probably making a, a podcast post to go along with it, which all of a sudden now you have basically the equivalent of a podcast, or I mean, not a podcast, a blog post with the audio player embedded into it. Um, and then from there, there's probably good quotes that you and I had that we could strip out and use for different aspects of social media. You're able to easily create a, um, some sort of newsletter. If you got a newsletter that you've been going to either recap the post or just specifically for this post. Um, and then you're able to do stuff too, where you can take say like seasons and you can do or seasons or spe- if you had specific episodes that line up with each other, well, you can create roundup posts for them that feature everybody. And then you're going to get a bunch of shares from those people. Again, you can create lead gen comp or lead gen stuff that's relevant to the thing that we're talking about. You could create like course studies or ebooks or what opt-in things, whatever it might be. There's a ton of different ways to repurpose it and to get word out there about it. So those are probably the two biggest things, planning and then being very strategic and recycling the content. That's awesome. And I'm not doing all that. I'm doing maybe 60% of that. So thanks. Okay, but still, but still like that's <laughs> probably like 40% more of what most people are doing. So yeah, that's super cool. And then what was the last piece you mentioned? Progress or analytics? Like, yeah, I'm actually, this this may come off as odd, but I I I have never really dug into our podcast analytics. I'm so focused on the website, e-commerce, and how our users are doing and stuff like that. I just haven't taken the time. As funny as it sounds, like three years in to really dig into podcast analytics. What am I missing? Um. Well, okay. I got another post that I'm going to quickly reference and then address that thing. There's a lot of different ways to determine the ROI or the return of investment. And so for me, it's important that like I have a personal goal that whatever I get paid by a client that I need to at least double the value for them, whether it's in the time that I'm saving them, but more likely the revenue or the leads that I'm able to generate for them. And so I need a way that that can be trackable. And so like, it's a little bit of a different context. I care about numbers more because that will validate whether we should continue a project or cut it, that type of thing. Um, but for depending again on what you're doing with your podcast and who it's for, you can look at things like listener numbers and downloads um, is just the, the standard thing. Um, I'm trying to think of what else might be relevant. You can be looking at, the, there's a couple of different things you can do, but the downloads specifically episode to episode because say, for example, we had a, a prior client who we used the podcast in a few different ways. Well, one, from a progress standpoint, was we could see which episode topics were most popular. And so for this client in particular, we had huge popularity around Facebook ads and advertising and also copywriting. And so that informed their decisions of the written content they were producing that our audience clearly likes these few things, 
let's hone in on these few things. And then we can see the topics that we did that had the least traction, that got the, the lowest amount of listenership. We knew, okay, for the most part, we can make an educated guess to avoid these kind of topics. Um, in terms of things like your reviews, like if you're tracking things like what are people saying, it's a really easy avenue for you to improve, to grow, to capitalize on what you're good at, um, to gather social proof for your network and what you're trying to do. It might help you with, uh, by collecting those things and seeing what they're saying, it might help you with getting like speaking deals. If, if you're hoping to do more public speaking, a lot of different avenues there. And then other things that people often take for granted are what I, I mentioned, like in terms of the social pushes or the email pushes or the site stuff, where a lot of marketers will argue that podcasting is very difficult to track its success. And in some ways, yes, I would agree. But in other ways, you can make relatively informed decisions by looking at the episodes or the things that you're doing, the platforms that you're doing that directly relate to those specific episodes you're promoting and tracking things like engagement. What is the, um, the analytics of your website? Are people directly hitting that URL or, or URLs that you referenced in that episode? Are specific URLs or slugs or, or patterns of their behavior of how they're traveling through your website um, relative to this? What's your open rates look like on your emails? What are the click-through rates to those specific, specific episodes look like? And you can start to tell which avenues are working and which ones aren't. And then you can sort of pull like the 80-20 principle and then begin to really hone down on those things that are generating the most results and maybe ease up on the things that aren't or just abandon the things that aren't. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's, that's really good stuff. That was a, uh, I'm going to re-listen to that and uh, <laughs> take notes and put some things into action. Well, Jeff Large, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on the show. He's at comealivecreative.com and comealiveacademy.com. Is there any final words you have for the people? Uh, no, I, I just, well, yes, I lie. You guys are great. I just, uh, guys and gals, uh, I appreciate you having me on and just the opportunity to talk about, like we said, something that makes me come alive. <laughs> so thank you, everyone. This is fun. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on the show and we'll have to do this again sometime. Perfect. Sounds great.